Welcome to the Classic City Sports Podcast. And McAllister down the left field line! If you're looking for the latest Georgia Bulldog news in football, basketball, baseball, and recruiting, then you are in the right place. Then you are in the right place. It's third down. Bryce Young's career. You need 10. Play clock at four. From the pocket. Launching downfield. Underthrown and intercepted. Keely Ringo has an escort down the sidelines. Hosted by Jeremiah Stoddard and Jonathan Williams. Georgia on the mountaintop. Demons be gone and the drought is over. National champions at long last. Just sit back, relax, and prepare yourself for these hot takes you're about to listen to. All right, welcome back to another episode of Classic City Sports Podcast. As always, Jeremiah Soddard along with Jonathan Williams. Uh, it's a good day. It's Wednesday, 8 p.m. We're live for you. Uh, a lot of stuff to talk about today, right? A lot of stuff to kind of unpack in Dog Nation this week. Um, we've been talking about Todd Munkin on this show for the past three weeks, at least at this point in general, because there has been a lot of speculation. You almost got kind of lulled into thinking that you might be okay. Maybe he's going to stick around. And then all of a sudden, the rug gets pulled back out from under you yesterday. He accepts a position with Baltimore as their offensive coordinator. So now Georgia is you know, having to regroup on that. But they obviously it kind of expected and had a plan set in place because minutes later, you see Georgia has hired Mike Bobo as your new offensive coordinator. So there was a plan set in place. It was ready to launch it literally immediately after that decision was made by Todd Munkin to accept said position at Baltimore. Jonathan, let's go ahead and jump straight into it um, and and tell me when you saw that news yesterday, right? When that, that notification pops up on your phone and you get that information, what was your first thought? My first thought was, boy, are we about to have a lot of our subscribers mad at us because we sat here for three weeks saying that it seems like Todd Munkin's probably coming back. And we also said that we, we, we don't see him taking the Baltimore job. You know, there's a lot of question marks around the quarterback spot with Lamar Jackson possibly leaving. And then, sure enough, Todd Munkin is off to the NFL now going to Baltimore. And so if you are mad at us, if you if you took our advice and we misled you, we apologize. We just gave you our honest opinion. And you know what? Sometimes we are wrong. We're man enough to admit that. And we were very much wrong about the situation. Yes. But you make the best of it. You keep moving forward. And now we're going to give you our thoughts and opinions on Mike Bobo, a guy that is SEC tested, a guy that was here at the University of Georgia for a very long time, a guy that had a lot of success as Georgia's offensive coordinator. I think it's a great hire. And I think it's really great to see just, you know, you go down Georgia's staff right now. There's a lot of Georgia boys on that staff. And I think that's really comforting if you're a fan. You know, Stacey Searles was once at Georgia before. I'm not, I know he didn't necessarily like, he wasn't like Georgia rude and everything, but he was once at Georgia before. Now you got Mike Bobo. That's another Georgia guy. Kirby Smart, Will Muschamp, Todd Hartley himself is a UGA grad, I believe. So you got a lot of Georgia blood in this staff. And I think that is great. I mean, that's kind of what led you to this point, what led you to two national titles. 
And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And we've kind of always said that Kirby Smart has a tendency to kind of hire within. He does those promotions. He's done it with defensive coordinator before. And I think when Kirby Smart went out there and he brought on Mike Bobo as an offensive analyst for this staff, and then you kind of heard the rumblings of Todd Munkin a couple of times mentioning that Mike Bobo, he gave credit to Mike Bobo for drawing up some drives and drawing up some plays, especially during the national championship. Yeah. I think you could have taken that as a sign of, okay, this is who they're grooming to take this position. And sure enough, as you said, they literally mentioned it within minutes of Baltimore announcing that Todd Moncton was taking their offensive coordinating position. So I think it's a good move. I think it's a great move for Georgia. I think it provides some continuity. It's a face that a lot of kids are familiar with now, guys that have been on that roster. And it's, it's a, it's a face that recruits are familiar with as well. That's a name that a lot of people know. And while Bobo didn't necessarily have a lot of success past Georgia, he brought a lot of good things to UGA. I mean, Georgia averaged, what would you say, 41.7 um, points per game this last season with Todd Munkin. And the yes. last time that Georgia averaged over 40 points per game was with Mike Bobo in one of his last few years at the University of Georgia. So I think it's a great hire. And I think, yeah, I think it's a great hire. And I think Georgia and Georgia fans should feel very comfortable because, I mean, if Kirby Smart likes this move, then everybody should like this move. Yeah, I agree with you. And just to kind of to go back to what, you know, we were wrong on this, but what we did tell you about Todd Munkin um, t- taking the position somewhere else was it had to be a situation that he felt comfortable taking and willing to jump to the NFL. Uh, I think that part of what we kind of underestimated was the guy wants to be in the NFL and um, he's willing to make that jump because his next steps maybe in his career aspirations is maybe to be a head coach in the NFL. And the only way to do that is to jump to a coordinator position first, which might not look like the best move in the world to some Georgia fans going, hey, he's barely making any difference in salary, and now he's going to a team where he kind of has to prove some stuff and, and kind of rebuild that way. Um, I think he'll be just fine in Baltimore if they keep Lamar Jackson. If they keep Lamar Jackson, I think that he's going to be in a decent spot to succeed early on. And how long he stays there, whatever his career looks like in in Baltimore, I don't know. Uh, You know, We'll wait and see how that plays out. I think the biggest surprise uh, for me was the fact that they did go to Bobo so fast. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It just kind of caught me off guard. I thought that there would at least be a little bit of a a, a couple, at least a couple days, right? A couple days where you're sitting here going, all right, what's the next steps? What's going to happen? No, I mean, I'm talking 10 minutes after I get a notification on my phone talking about Todd Munkin taking a job at Baltimore. I get another notification popping up on my screen from ESPN saying Mike Bobo was officially uh, announced as the head coach or the uh, offensive coordinator for Georgia immediately. And which tells me they knew that, you know, he w- they were talking to Munkin already. They already had the press release ready to go and they had everything figured out. Uh, you know, we talked about this before was when when Buster Faulkner decided to go to uh, Georgia Tech that that kind of made us think that maybe you know Georgia was going to be able to keep a hold of Todd Munkin because we we both sat here and talked about how maybe that Buster Faulkner was the next guy in line to that offensive coordinator position what I learned yesterday was I don't think that was the case I think that I think Mike Bobo was the guy and that's why they you know let uh, Buster Faulkner go and maybe that's why Buster Faulkner was willing to go is because he knew he needed to because now Georgia has a guy in Mike Bobo who his last stint in Athens was seven years. I mean, he's going to be around. I, I think he wants to be a Georgia. He'll probably be here for a little while. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, his son is on the football team. I know his son is just a preferred walk-on, but um, so is 
must champs. You know, yeah. that's the second time that Georgia has kind of done that similar situation where it's like, yeah, your your boy's going to come play for here. You can come over and join us because both are great, phenomenal football coaches. You know, you know, just kind of looking back at Mike Bobo's stint at the University of Georgia, he helped develop Aaron Murray into the SEC's leading passer. Still holds that record as of right now. And then also, like, you go to think about it, like. Sure, like Aaron Murray, Matthew Stafford, far and away the two best quarterbacks that he had during his time uh, as a Bulldog. But then even like years with Hudson Mason, which no discredit to Hudson Mason, but Hudson Mason is far and away from one of the UGA greats at the quarterback position. Georgia still averaged like 37 or 38 points per game that year. So, and I know. I know Grayson Lambert. No, no, no. Here's the thing. Grayson Lambert that year, that was the 41.3 points per game season in 2014. That's what with yeah or not with uh, with uh yeah with in in 2014 that's the year that he had 41 points per game. So so Hudson think about Mason's who was that quarterback? Hudson Mason's year. Yeah. So that okay. So yeah, you had Todd. That should Gurley, tell you all something, same. man. Yeah, that should definitely tell you everything you need to know. And you go go look at his track record. Like I believe you can go on two four seven and you can look at like Mike Bobo as a recruiter, and then you can look at like his top recruits that he's brought in, like Trenton Thompson's on that list, Terry Godwin's on that list, Matthew Stafford's on that list, Aaron Murray's on that list. Just go down it. There are a lot of good, 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 good names on that list. So he's a really good recruiter, and that's something that Mike Bobo is going to give you that you didn't necessarily necessarily have in Todd Munkin because we sat here and told everybody like, Tom Monk is not out here flying around the United States going to visit recruits and doing all no. of that, not whining and dining anybody. He, I mean, he's sure he's going to help out a little bit. He's going to get his quarterbacks and stuff, but he's he's not out there. That's not why he was there. If that's what they wanted him to do, he wouldn't have been at Georgia for as long as he was. But Mike Bobo is someone that is going to go do that. He is someone that is going to put an effort on the recruiting show, and it sounds like he's very excited to kind of get back into that and have a bigger hand, helping hand in that. So that's a huge plus for Georgia when you're trying to go and get guys like Dylan Rayola and these other offensive playmakers that you're seeking out there across the United States. So that's a huge plus for Georgia. It's something that Mike Bobo is going to give you that you didn't have in Munkin. So that's a, that's some silver lining for you if you are pretty bummed out about making this transition from Todd Munkin, which I mean, why could you not? He was very productive. But and also, but even if you are upset, like Think about like something that I've mentioned and I've made tweets about this and I've, we've talked about this on this show is that Georgia's offense this year might be one of the most talented offenses in program history. Better than anything that Bobo had during his time at Georgia or anywhere That's at any point sure. in time in his career. So now you're going to take what he was able to do back in 2014, 2012, whatnot, and you're going to give him this loaded offensive offensive roster and you have Carson Beck and you got a really good running back room and you got the best tight end in the country, a guy that's going to be a top 10 pick probably in the near future and all these wide receivers, dude, and the best, without a doubt, the best offensive line that he's had. So, I mean, goodness gracious, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely loaded down. And Mike Bobo's an excellent play caller. So when you put all of that together, Georgia's going to be just fine offensively this next year, without a doubt. It's definitely going to be fine offensively. Like you said, he's never had this kind of talent from top to bottom on a team, and he still was able to have 41.3 points per game in 2014 with 
Hudson Mason at quarterback. So it, it makes a huge difference when you start adding all that talent together with them. And everyone likes to look back at like somebody, you know, I put out the tweet yesterday, um, just kind of breaking down his offensive production at Georgia over his time at, as an offensive coordinator for like the seven year time period uh, between 2017 and 2014. And you start getting some interesting comments on it. And some people said, yeah, I mean, yeah, but what's he done in the last decade? And well, I was like, well, let's look at what he's done in the last decade. Well, he got promoted to being a head coach at Colorado State. First of all, how many coaches are really, really going to be able to succeed there? And just because he didn't necessarily have a great tenure, he was there for four years. It wasn't like he was out the door in one year or something like that. He did stick around. But to sit there and act like he was going to be this incredible coach there and use that against him as why he can't be a good offensive coordinator now doesn't make sense because there's a very big difference between being a head coach of a team and being an offensive coordinator of a team, first of all. Uh, The next part of that whole conversation is, well, then after his stint at Colorado State, he goes off to um, South Carolina. He's a one season at South Carolina. Guess who's the head coach there? It's Will Muschamp. Guess what happens to Will Muschamp that year? It's also a COVID year, by the way. It was 2020. It was the shortened season with 10 games. Will Muschamp gets fired that year. We love Will Muschamp as a defensive coordinator. Would I want him as my head coach for my football team? No, I would not. I do love him being a defensive coordinator or a defensive analyst at Georgia. That I can tell you. And guess what? He gets fired. And who do they make the interim coach? They make Mike Bobo the interim coach You know, to finish that season in 2020. So obviously he doesn't stick around when they go to Shane Beamer. Shane Beamer doesn't hire him on. I don't know that that's necessarily a negative view to put on I know the stats that season weren't great but like look at South Carolina's roster that year it wasn't great next year where does he go yeah they weren't good they were not good next season where does he go he goes to Auburn in 2021 guess what it's Brian Harson's first season there and everyone knows how that storyline played out over there. It wasn't great. And they the first year was really bad. And they started firing wide receiver coaches. They started doing everything during that season, trying to put the blame on somebody. And it comes down to it the next season. Guess what? Mid-year, Brian Harson gets fired. It's so like to put all of that on there um and, and make it look like he wasn't a good offensive coordinator in the last decade because of some of the places he's been. Well, man, he had one season at these places, and those places were dumpsters fires that fired their head coaches either the year of or the year after. And guess what? Kirby Smart called him and said, hey, I know you're at Auburn right now, or you're, you know, that's not going well. Come be an offensive analyst for me. And guess what? This conversation probably happened because they are friends. They've known each other for very long. They played together back at Georgia. He probably talked to him and said, hey, I love what you do. Todd Munkin's here right now. But I know he's not going to be here forever. Come be an offensive analyst for me. And then you're coaching waiting for an offensive coordinator position with me. And he takes the position. Well, I mean, Georgia's offense mm-hmm. succeeds really well last year. Um, not taking anything away from Munkin's part of that, obviously. But Munkin credited things to Mike Bobo, like you said earlier. Um, so Mike Bobo had his hand in all of that. So to sit here and act like over the last decade he hasn't done anything is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, and this will be the last thing I say about it. But what makes football coaches and coaches in general, like this is just part of who they are and in their DNA, they're always trying to get an advantage. They're always trying to learn more. And so when you pair up a guy like Mike Bobo, a guy that's been around the league for a long time, and a guy like Todd Munkin, who's been around football for a very long time, when you put those two guys in a room, what do you think is going to happen? 
they're going to pick each other's brains apart. They're going to ask them how they see yeah. things. And those like things are just going to kind of fuse together. And when you get those two minds working together and they get to pick off one another and they kind of get to develop something with one another and weave interweave their thoughts and stuff like that, then yeah, you're going to get a really, really good product. And I say that, which means Mike Bobo has been around Todd Munkin now for a little bit and he's kind of gotten to pick his brain and he's kind of gotten to learn things from him. And I'm sure Todd Munkin learned things from Mike Bobo. And so I think you're going to still see a lot of similarities of what Todd Munkin ran at the University of Georgia and what Mike Bobo is going to run at the University of Georgia. Because, you know, the, the, the whole joke that everybody makes with Mike Bobo is like, oh, well, all we're going to do is run eight halfback draw on third and 10 or third and 15 or whatever. Look, that was a different era of college football when you think about it. And that was a completely different roster back then. Look, your entire offense ran through Todd Gurley. Stud running backs that they had back then. Yeah. It was Todd Gurley, Nick Chubb, like all those guys. Like that your entire offense. He had no Sean Marino back in like early on too. Like you're talking like this guy had the best running backs to come through Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. But and so, but the game's developed now. It's transitioned into a different style of offense. The pace of game has kind of picked up a little bit, and things have just changed, you know, as does anything over 15 years or whatnot. Yeah. And so I, you're not going to see the same thing. You're not, not, obviously, he's still like, you don't completely facelift an offensive coordinator or yourself during that time period. So you're still going to see a lot of things that you probably saw back then that you will see this coming year with Mike Bobo. But my point is, is that as the game changes, so does offensive coordinators. And as your offense changes, then you kind of have to change how you call your games and whatnot. And so all I'm saying is I'm really, I'm really excited to see what Mike Bobo does with this offense. And I'm really excited to see not only the similarities that I can see between Todd Monken and Mike Bobo, but just how this offense is going to look now and how good, how Mike Bobo is going to utilize all these guys, because it's still going to be a, like this roster this year for the offense is good, different from last year's. You don't have a darn Washington and whatnot. So I'm just really interested to see how that looks and how Carson Beck feels in this system. If he is the starting quarterback, whoever is, whoever is tab to starter. So I'm just overall excited for that. And everybody else should be too, in my opinion. Yeah. You should be. And there are a couple things like one, one thing that you got to look at, like we've mentioned a couple times already, is this is by far the best roster that he's ever had the privilege of coaching. So you'll actually get to see, you know, so much. Like we've talked about this several times too. It's not always about the X's and O's. A lot of times it can come down to your Jimmys and Joes. And he's got the Jimmys and Joes now that he never, ever, ever had. I love saying that because like it's so true. He's never had that. And now he does. So it'll be interesting to see how his X's and O's can match up with those guys because, you know, he he is a good coach, I do believe. And we'll really be able to see how well his plans can be executed and everything um, and how much he's able to draw up. And like you said, a, a lot of that offense is still going to look like what it has under Todd Munkin. It's something like that doesn't change. You know, he was in the system last year, so he did get to be a part of it. So he knows how everything rubbed off. And another thing that um, our buddy Brooks Austin talked about on his show yesterday was... Um, I mean, you don't think that Kirby Smart's not a good enough coach to sit in this room with Todd Munkin for three straight years now? Absorb it? You don't think you don't think Kirby Smart absorbed the information he got from Todd Munkin over three years? I mean, we sit here and talk about this all the time. Kirby Smart's one of the greatest college football coaches out there right now, and just one of the most intelligent. And like, it, it, he's so quick to learn these things and, and adapt. To his like he's adapted so much on offense over the past several seasons at Georgia in general. Y'all don't think that he absorbed the information from Todd Munkin 
to still plug and play with whoever's next, like whoever he puts mm-hmm. in that system. You don't think there's a template that's already been lined up saying, hey, when I leave, this is what you should be doing, by the way. And and Kirby does that. He finds something that he's comfortable with, on especially on the offensive side of the ball, because he's not the brains behind the operation all the time on offense. We've seen that. Mm-hmm. We understand that. That's okay. He He designs everything you would think on defense, but on offense, once he finds something that's going to work, you don't think he's going to just stick with it? And like you said, too, back in the old days of college football, it was a lot run he- more run heavy. So, yeah, you you did see Bobo run a decent amount uh, when he had those great, great running backs that he did have. But guess what? He's got some pretty good running backs on his roster this year as well to balance with that crazy offense that we're going to be talking about for the entire season as well. So let's jump into our next part of it, which is our running back conversation. During the offseason, we are going over each position group. We've already covered your uh, your quarterbacks and we covered your uh, outside linebackers last week. Um, so we're going to start covering running backs this week and then we'll move on to another position next week. Um, which is to be determined based on a Twitter poll we will run. Maybe corners, we've been talking about kind of doing that for a little bit and haven't got to them yet. But let's start off with running backs. Jonathan, with this running back room that you have right now, how are you feeling? It's the University of Georgia, Stoddard. You feel good about running backs every <laughs> single year. Always. There's, there, there's not question. a single offseason. There's not a single offseason where you go in at the University of Georgia where people are saying, yeah, I don't know, man. That running back room is a little questionable. No, that's that's yeah. not going to happen. That's just they're they're a staple name at the position. Guy, obviously, they regard a lot of it. They, they've taken a lot of attention from recruits, and they got a lot of good players on this roster. Again, I think getting Kendall Milton back again is huge. As good as everybody else is, I think that's a huge plus because I mean he ended the year averaging He's your experience, and and he was yeah yeah was without a doubt, late. and he. He finished the year really strong, had a great game against LSU, and he was running the ball really well, dealt with some injuries, which has kind of been the thing for Kendall. But it, I think that this could be the year where you finally see him stay completely healthy. At least you hope you can. Dejon Edwards hoping, is just yeah. one of those. Georgia, Georgia has had these guys for has like a has had a Dejon Edwards for the past couple of years now. You know, like a Brian Harrion who just hangs around, but you trust him enough to give him 10, 12 carries a game and he's going to do his thing and he's going to look really good doing it. That's what Dejon Edwards has been for the University of Georgia. And he's been really, he's been good. He's been really good in that role. And I think you're going to see him be the number two back right behind Ken Milton. You got to see what Branson Robinson was this past year, scored two touchdowns in the national championship, had his breakout game against Auburn. Dude looks really good. The big thing that it, about the running back room is you get two guys that you're going to get to see for the first time, or at least I figure you'll get to see both of them this year is Andrew Paul, who ended up tearing his ACL right before the season this past year. So he'll be healthy to go. He'll be good to go before this next season comes up. But he was a guy that there was a lot of noise around his name coming out of camp. Many thought that he was going to be getting more snaps over Branson until his injury occurred. And now you got Roderick Robinson as well. Who's part of this 2023 class and he's going to be in the mix. So, I mean, Loaded down, a loaded down depth chart, as always. A lot of really good names. The one thing that I'm kind of interested to see, I'm curious to see how Mike Bobo goes about this, is you don't have a James Cook or a Kenny McIntosh, I don't think. At least not yet. Nothing that we have seen to tell us that Georgia does have that role yet. And Because, you know, someone was in my Twitter mentions the other day asking, like, can Andrew Paul replace Kenny McIntosh? And I was like, well, you don't just replace a Kenny McIntosh. Just, you don't just go and replace a guy Kenny, like that. Kenny he, he was, was kind of a unicorn, man, at, with as absolutely. much production as he was on both sides. I mean, you got to look back. Like in, in years past, you know, like the, you've had your Sony Michelles and stuff like that. And Sony was probably the 
the closest to being like Kenny McIntosh in the sense that he would he would run for a thousand yards in the season and he did run for a thousand yards in the season and then he would still make a lot of plays out of the backfield as well but uh I'd have to go back and look I haven't paid attention to it now that I'm thinking about it is how close because you know last season um McIntosh had what 500 yards rushing and 800 yards or 800 yards rushing and 500 yards receiving so like 1300 yards total offense I'd love I need to go back and look and see how you know total offense what um what sony had but it's probably the closest and i i would be willing to bet oh. you got somebody on this roster somebody on this roster that can do that same type of thing now how good at it they're going to be I mean, you don't know until you see them actually do it against college like level uh, you know competition in the sec so that's the question i don't know I, you were about to say something i think i cut, cut you off i was just going to say i do know that kenny mcintosh was the first georgia running back ever to have 800 plus rushing yards and 500 plus receiving yards in a season so that tells you how much of an he anomaly he was it's not no- on that yeah. yeah it's not normal for a running back to be able to do as much as he was offensively and that's okay georgia doesn't have to have that in their offense for them to be successful but it definitely helps out of course to have that big of a threat coming sure. out of your backfield not knowing what he's going to do because you can utilize him in so many different ways but i think they could find someone that is a viable option in the receiving game of course i think every guy on their roster can be can help it to an extent in the passing game. You know, using the passing game as an extension of the run game. That's a phrase that we used a lot with Todd Munkin. I think you'll see that continuously with Mike Bobo yep. as well. He'll utilize that as well. Maybe not exactly you, – you don't call it a run play, but it, you might as well chalk it up as a run play. You catch it, once you, you know, plus or minus one yard of the line of scrimmage. That's, a, that's yeah. an extension of the run play. It, yeah, exactly. So, and Mike Boba was a big fan of the screenplays with, like we said, with Nick Chubb, Todd Gurley, Sony Michelle, those types of guys. So, and I think that's the, but the halfback screen is kind of transitioning to a different look nowadays in today's game, but I'm sure he's still going to utilize that as well, as well. So, but nonetheless, I mean, the running back room is just really solid. There's nothing bad that you can say about them, but everybody in that room runs hard. They play really hard. Kendall Milton. Yeah. I'm telling you, when Kendall Milton is healthy, he is the best running back in that room. I do believe that. he, When he is fully healthy, he showed that this past season, I think. And I can't remember the exact numbers, but whatever his average yards per carry was, the last player to ha- average that many yards per carry on like 70-plus carries was Sony Michelle. So it's yeah. just like he's he's really good. Kendall Milton's really good. Dejon Edwards, I love Dejon Edwards. I love what we I saw from him in 2020 when he was a mop-up duty. He continued to continue that trend in 2021 and or sorry, in 2021 what he showed and then in 2022 he still looked really solid and Branson Robinson's yeah. only going to continue to develop. I think that 1 3 1 through 3 punch that you have with those three guys which is kind of what Georgia rolls with in those close games. You know, they're only going to really give the rock to three different guys at most and each guy's going to get maybe right around 10 carries now because you distribute out so much. But when you keep them that fresh, they're just so strong. They're so hard to tackle and they're really efficient. They can pass block that it, it just anything and everything you can ask out of a running back. Georgia develops really well at that position. Del McGee does a hell of a job and it's why they continue yeah, to produce so much talent at that position every single freaking year. It's ridiculous. I do think the biggest question mark is going to be because I, I think you're right. I think it, you know you start up with Kendall Milton as your number one most likely, and you got Dejon Edwards as your number two, or maybe those are one A two or two, uh, you know one B kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And then you've got you know your third guy is going to be Branson Robinson. One of those three guys, if those are your three guys that you're rolling with, one of them has to take up that receiving back type role. And I don't know who does it. Maybe I, I would say in those three. 
I would probably put my money on, honestly, Dejon. I think Dejon's probably going to be, just because I haven't seen as much of Branson yet to see what he's going to be able to do. And I know everyone talks about him and, and talks about how he reminds us of you know Nick Chubb type style and if that's the case if that is the type of running back that he I don't, I'm not putting that on him I'm just that's what people say a lot right that's the comparison that he gets which is a really really high comparison for everyone go back and look at if you don't remember go look at what how much production Nick Chubb had at Georgia that's insane um mm-hmm. but if that's the case and that's the type of running back he is Nick Chubb was not exactly catching a bunch of passes out of the backfield. He wasn't really utilized that way. Sony Michelle was, um, and that's where that offense kind of rolled. So, and and I I have seen enough of Kendall to say that I don't think that's Kendall's style game, which leaves me to believe that if that's your three you're running with, I think it's got to be Dejon Edwards. That's who you got to look for, unless you're going with somebody else. And at that point, that mixes up that whole front three, like because you can't just mix in a guy like maybe Andrew Paul or somebody like that, or Roderick Robinson, we haven't seen those guys get to play yet. And so if you're going to start letting them be the receiving back, all of a sudden they become one of those three, the top three, and then you kind of kick out somebody else. And I don't think that's going to happen this year. Um, I do think that, you know, there was a lot of positive talk in the off season last year about Andrew Paul before he tore his ACL. So I am excited to see what he's going to be able to do in late game situations. Maybe he gets to come in like Branson did last year and, you know, late games and just kind of show everybody what he can do. That's that's what I'm excited to see from him. But as far as like a receiving back, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I think that's going to be Dejon this season. Yeah, you know, I posted a, a, two highlight clips of Andrew Paul the other day on my Twitter timeline, and I posted his senior stat line, just kind of reminding people, like, I think Andrew Paul is going to be a big name out of this running back room because we didn't get to oh, see he him last year, but I think sure. you're going to – you're going to get, I think you're going to get a pretty good look at him this year. Now it's probably going to take some time for him to get back up to game speed. You know, coming back from an ACL injury, it's always going to take some time for you to get back up to speed with any injury for that matter. But, and, and if you haven't watched those highlight clips that I posted of him, you should, because you're every Georgia fan yes, is a should. sucker, a sucker for a good dead leg highlight. Because once DeAndre so started that and Sony Michelle did that quite a few times as oh, well, man. Georgia fans just eat it up. And I knew as soon as I post that highlight clip, I was like, who's going to do it? Who's going to be the guy that's like, oh, he runs a lot like DeAndre Swift or he runs a lot like Sonny Michelle. And sure enough, there yep. were some some of those in the comments. And of course, it, and how could it not? Because he's, he runs real smooth. And at the high school level, he was breaking away from guys and it really didn't look like he was running at 100%. It almost looks like he was just going at a cool jog, but he runs real easy. And I think yeah. he's going to be a great addition. He's pretty shifty. I don't think he's as shifty as a DeAndre Swift or a Sony Michelle. And, you know, a buddy of mine texted me when I put that tweet out and he, he was like, I need a comp. I need a player comp for him. And I was like, man, I hate doing player comps. I said, I can't stand so them bad. because I, they're, they're so hard to do. And especially at the running back position, because even I fall victim to it. You know, I watched Andrew Paul. And as soon as I saw that dead leg, I was like, man, that looks just like DeAndre Swift. But it also, I've seen I was this like, before. There's still, yeah, I've seen this before. And everybody does it with the big old running back. They did it with Zeus and they, they're doing it with Branson Robinson. Man, that looks like Nick, Nick Chubb, Chubb out there. <laughs> I mean, it's just natural. It's our natural instincts it's because it's yep. what we've become accustomed to seeing. It's what we know. That's our roots. And so I was like, I'm not giving you a player comp, but I'll go ahead and tell you that Andrew Paul is going to be really freaking good is what I'll tell you. And I think it's going to be another three-star home run for the Bulldogs because, yes, he was a three-star recruit out of high school. And so bottom line, as I've well, repeated, but what were you saying? Well, if that's the case, right? Like if, if he does 
say he does have a similar play style, because once again, I'm not putting this on him just like you're not. If he does have a similar play style to Sony Michelle and DeAndre Swift on that, he's more of your elusive type back, and he would be the guy that mm-hmm. maybe next season can he would be your you know receiver out of the backfield, your shifty did have kind like of Swiss Army knife type guy. Receptions or something like that his senior year in high school, so he has done it before. He he has so been in that he, role before. So he I has think that he role. Could be my. My biggest thing is I don't think you see it from him this year much. You might occasionally, but once again, with Georgia, those top three, he's going to have to knock somebody off, which means he would have to go out there and show that he's better and demanding more snaps than maybe a Branson Robinson, um, Dejon Edwards, or a Kendall Milton. And, you know, last season, Kendall was hurt a lot, and he found himself kind of slipping a little bit. I think by the late in the season, he kind of slipped behind Dejon because of those injuries and everything. But once again, like we talked about against LSU, um, even in the playoffs and the national championship, you started seeing a little bit, you know, some some flashes out of out of Kendall again. And it was kind of nice to see he had some of his best games of the entire season at the very end of it when he's presumably healthy again. And um, so I think that if he stays healthy and you get Edwards is healthy and Branson stays healthy, it's going to be really, really hard to see Andrew Paul get on the field out outside of your mop-up duty stuff early early in the season. Maybe something changes. I mean, every single day in practice, Kirby makes it very clear to people, even at the quarterback, it's competition. You can go out there and lose your job. Actually, speaking of that, too, Kirby, uh, Aaron Murphy, um, he was talking a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about how Bobo was out there. And, hey, Hudson's looking good in practice today, by the way. You got to step up your game, Murray. Like he, Hudson's looking good, and so like he's going to bring that same motive or that same energy and motivation tactic to the game as well. And so like he's going to make sure all those running backs, along with Del McGee, we know he's incredible running back coach. He's going to keep on these guys the same way. Um, they're going to make sure they get the best out of them. It's going to take a lot for a, a young player that's coming off an ACL. That's the other thing. Coming off the ACL injury, it's going to be really really tough for him to be able to jump up it this year. So maybe too early to see him be able to kind of shine that much this year. But next year, he's definitely – go ahead and mark my words. Next year, he's a name that you're going to you know, hear a ton. Yeah, no doubt. I think it's – you know, breaking down the running back room, it's it's not like it's a hard job to do for the universe. Like I said, they, Georgia, they're, they're good. You could honestly leave it at that. Like they're really freaking good. They're really talented. And it's because they are. But I think – I think it's what has been interesting is how you've kind of seen Georgia change because Georgia's changed at a lot of different positions, you know, kind of the player personal that they recruit and whatnot. But Georgia's changed in a different way at the running back spot. Whereas when you had Todd Gurley and you had Nick Chubb, and I know that those two are anomalies, and it's really not fair to compare those two to anybody else or anything that Georgia's ever had at the running back spot. But, you know, that's just who you fed. You gave them 25 carries a game, and they had. 1100 rushing yards every season or 1200 rushing yards and whatnot but georgia has kind of wavered away from that and now it's like a, like a trio running back one season 1400 yeah you know you don't see Wasn't that, that his anymore. freshman see, year i think that yeah. was his freshman year too yeah that's you wild. don't see that anymore you know georgia feeds it around so much and i think that's I, because you know each guy might like you your lead rusher might have 13 carries and then your next one might have nine and then your next one might have seven and it's worked out really well, and you distribute it out a lot. And I said it keeps them fresh. And I think it's, I, th- I think the players love it. Honestly, I know some fans don't like it because it's like you don't keep feeding the hot hand, you rotate too much or whatnot. But I think the players like it a lot because 
they're able to make the most out of every single carry that they get. You know, they're not on their hands and knees right before the snap and they're just giving it everything that they've got for 12, 20 carries a game. They just, they're fully juiced every single time they get the ball and they get to make the most out of every single carry that they get, especially when you're, you're running behind an offensive line that is as good as Georgia's. And they're going to be really good this next year with such a Van Pran coming back, take rally, save your trust. You got Marius Mims coming in at tackle. Georgia's going to be really good this next year offensively on the line and at running back. So another yeah. group that is going to give out a lot of production for Georgia and it's going to be really good. And I think Kendall Milton and Dejon Edwards are going to be a really great duo and they're going to, they're going to be really good together. I think they're going to really be cohesive and I think they complement each other's games pretty well. And yeah, I, I just, like I said, running backs are pretty easy to break down. We had, as Stoddard mentioned though, we have been putting out a Twitter poll on Twitter of like who you guys want to see for each week on every episode. We usually give you like three positions or you can comment other. And out of the three positions that we give, typically those are the ones that we, that win. So we did like cornerbacks and we did running backs. And then I think we did tight ends or something like that. Maybe I'm not, or safeties. That's what we did. Safeties and running safeties, backs won. Yeah. So here we are talking to you about the running backs. So next week we'll do the same thing. We'll give you three positions. You guys could go vote, give some input on the show because we love when you guys tell us things that you want us to talk about and things for us to hit on, because that helps us know what you guys are wanting to learn more about or what you're wanting to hear discussed on this platform. And that helps us out. And that helps you out as a listener, because that's what you're going to enjoy listening to. So always give input in the comments or whatnot, hit us up, however way you want to reach out to us about input on the show. We will listen and we will respond and we will do our best to input that in the show every coming week. We see Zach saying he wants special teams. Special teams will definitely get hit on eventually. I don't know if that's going to be in the near future, though, brother. You might have to you might have to wait a hot minute on that one before we're talking Grind about Grind out the, the offseason with us for a little bit. And, <laughs> and Brett Thorson. I don't know that those names are going to be of hot commodity this, this offseason. Hey, I'll, tell you, they should be. I'll tell you what. If, if our Twitter poll, if we put special teams on our Twitter poll and they win, then sure. Then sure, we'll yeah, get to them a little sure. sooner rather than we'll later. We'll bring it to you, but we'll do what the people now. Want. Moving on into the show starter. This this is it's been a long time since I've been excited about a King of the Hill segment. And again, Man, we've been gaining a lot one. of subscribers, so I'm going to explain it again. We did King of the Hill last week, and I'm going to do it again this week. King of the Hill is where typically I present a topic to Stoddard and myself, and we it's either like a debate topic, like does pineapple belong on pizza, or it's something like yeah. this, where it's kind of just like an open discussion point. And him and I get to kind of hash it out, go up against one another, kind of see how we vary on opinions. And this time, I asked Brooks Austin this question on his show last night, and he answered it. And so I wanted to bring it to this show because me being a basketball player, I, of course, wanted to provide my own opinion on the subject. And I said, take Georgia's 2023 roster. So any guy that's declared for the NFL draft is not an option or graduated is not an option. Take the 2023 roster and formulate a starting five for a basketball team. And this is how it's going to go. Stoddard's going to do pick one. I'm going to do the next pick. And we're just going to go back and forth. It doesn't go by position, so you don't have to go point guard first, shooting guard the next. It just goes whoever you want that's on the board and you want them, you take them. And you formulate what you think is the best lineup. I've given you some time to think about this one, Stoddard. Typically, I you're, you're in your cold feet, yeah. no idea what's about to come oh, at I you. Oh, I needed time And on I this just one. hit you. And you just got to do a hit and run on the fly. But this time I yeah. gave you some time to think. So you better be ready and you better be ready to compete with my lineup because I think I'm going to have a squad of dudes on my end. But I'll I go think ahead you're and have a squad you- of dudes. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're going to have some dudes. And at this I, I'm going to this is outside my comfort zone. Right. I've watched basketball and I've, I'm a fan of basketball overall. It's something that I've never really even played too much, though. So to try to like get in the mindset of it, 
uh, at this level, it's going to take, it's going to be a little off for me. So, um, y'all bear, you get first pick with me. If I, if I mess something up, y'all give me a break. All right. What I think as the low hanging fruit on this, um, because I want to make sure I get it because I don't want to mess up. It's such a, an important role on the team, right? I'm taking Carson Beck because Carson, uh, and I, you probably saw me doing that because Carson Beck has yeah. a, he, he did have an AAU career. So he played basketball intensely early on in life. And he's, there's a lot of stories that we've heard about him playing in the gyms and stuff in Athens where he's absolutely just going off. And so I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and take him. He's going to be playing my one, my, my point guard. Yeah, for those that don't know, Carson Beck is is a valid hooper. That man has he he can stroke it from the three point line, and he's got sneaky bunnies, and he can yam it down on top of your noggin if you're not careful. So that's an excellent pick. That's probably who I would have gone with my first pick. But I'm okay with this next player at my first pick because I think he's going to be a great kind of one two combo. I think he's got great handles, and boy, you want to talk about jumping out of the gym, someone that you need to go and watch his high school highlights when he played basketball. You need to go watch him. It's Xavier Sori. Buddy, if you have not looked to the audience, yep, if you have not gone one. and looked at Sori's highlights, basketball highlights, like his sophomore year in high school, you need to go watch him. I mean, it is poster after poster after poster. Just freaky athletic. And I think that's a guy that that you need on your roster, a guy that the defense is going to fear, guys that just tenacious with the ball hand. So I'm taking him as my first pick. I think that I, I like that direction for my squad as my number one pick, but I definitely would have taken Carson if you somehow forgot about him and left him on the board for me. I'll go no ahead and you get your second <laughs> pick in. All right. So my second pick, uh, which way do I want to go with this? Um, I'm going to take some advice that I got from somebody else. And I'm going to say, I'm going to go with uh, Malachi Starks because that, uh, oh, and I'm going to put him in my two. Yeah. Yeah, I'm taking Starks. He he is a guy that is just a freak athlete, and I know I know he could get down on the basketball court. I mean, he, out of high school, he was an athlete. You know, safety. Uh, he was their quarterback just because he could make plays. He's elusive. He's out there doing all of it, and we got to see. You know, he definitely has a good vertical. We saw his ball handling skills, just picking everybody off that kind of thing. And uh, so I think he's a solid pick for me. All right, so that was going to be my next pick. You're you're honestly impressing me, Stoddard. You're doing a lot better than I thought you would. So now I got to go in a different direction for my second pick. And so I think I'm going to now, I'm going to put Sori at the two because I want a dog. I want a freaking dog at point guard. A guy that's going to, he's going to defend really well. He's going to distribute really well. He's just going to do all the gritty and dirty work for me. That's the type of point guard that I want. And I don't think there's a better player for it than Javon Bullard. That you want to talk about it, you know. I describe him as a player on the football field. You literally just say, yeah, "Go out there and make I like plays. That. Go out there and make plays for me. Go and you see ball, go get ball." And that's what I want at point guard. I think that perfectly describes. I envision him as my number one spot on the roster. I think he's going to do a great job for the squad. So as well, as much as I wanted Malachi, I think I'm going to be okay with Javon as my as my point guard. Yeah, I think Javon's a good pick there too. You know, he's 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 a scrappy guy, so he's definitely a good one to be out there leading for you. Um, all right, so let's go with. All right, up for my three, I'm going for JDJ Jamon Dumas Johnson. Mm. That's that's, that's a- I got some advice from somebody on that one as well. So uh, okay, I, I, I did my research and. Word word is he can play, okay? And he's good at that middle position there at three. Did not know that. He's, he's going to do some work for you. Yeah, I might have to do some digging about some JDJ mixtapes on the on the hard floor. I think I might have to do that. That's a thick dude that you got at the three spot. So 
Not a bad choice. Not a bad choice. I'm going in a different direction. I, I think I'm going for some length here, some size. And again, another guy that's just trustworthy. He's going to do his assignment, whether it's standing in the corner, setting picks, getting rebounds, whatever you, you ask him to do, he's going to do it for you. And at my three spot, I think I, I'm going to go with Marcus Rossimi, Jack Saint. He's a great size. He's able to go over top of you. Another guy that can kind of ex- space out the floor for me, rise over top of you, slam one down, maybe some alley-oops coming that way. I think he's very good two-way player, can do both things on offense and defense if you need him to. And I think he's going to get the job done for me at the three spot. So Marcus Rosimi Jack saying, I think that's a really good pick, honestly, at three. I, I like, like that, that one, one too. All right, so at my four um... – See, this one I'm kind of caught on because I got a, a couple of options. So I'm trying to figure out which way I want to go with it. I feel like I like the uh, uh, Michael Williams pick for number four for me. So that's oh. interesting because when Brooks answered, when Brooks answered, he said, I would go Michael, but I think Michael's hands are too tough and hard for him to be handling a basketball out there. So he actually did See, not know about go that. with Michael. So I think that's still a good pick, though. You know, another guy that's long, lanky. Really athletic, insane bend. He can do a lot for you. I think that's a really good pick. Now, this is where things get really tricky because, you know, four and five spot, you can go – or the four spot, you can go kind of a different route. Do you want to play small ball or do you want to go for big guy and which big guy do you want to go with because there's so many big guys on that roster. So this one's going to be kind of tough. I'm trying to think about who I want here. Gosh, I think I'm going to go with Kristen Miller. Kristen Miller, I know, has some has a, a basketball background as well. I hear he can hoop it up a good bit. I think that's going to be my four spot. We're going to go big. We're going to go big ball. You know, we already got a lot of length on the squad, so I think I'm going to go big boy ball, and I'm going to go with my boy Kristen Miller at the four spot. And now I got to f- think about who I'm going with five now. This is going to be a big lineup, some some heavy weight lifters, if you will, on this squad. Yeah. But I'll let you go ahead with your last pick, Stoddard. Hmm. All right, my stack house. And he's going to be able to get you your work long, lanky, tall. Um, he's going to be able to kind of box out and, and do some damage at the post for you. Stackhouse. All right. Hey, fire TikTok account, by the way. If you have not found him already, you should go check it out. He puts some funny stuff out there on TikTok. I, I come across this page a good bit. He puts some, he's he's quite the comedian, if you will. He, he throws some jabs out there about Coach Smart every now and then, all in good fun, of course, not actual jabs, but he, he makes fun of quite a few things over there. And he it's a good time to go on his content page. All right, now my five spot. There's quite a few names that I've thought about for my center. And I think I think I'm gonna go with what Zach is saying in the comments. I think I'm gonna go with Micah Morris. Again. We got big boys in this lineup, so we're we're not the endurance runners, all right? We're not here for a long time, but we're here for a good time. So <laughs> I think that's what I'm going to go with, a good size, really going to compliment Christian Miller really well down there in the post. And I think that with Marcus Rossini, Jack Saint, Xavier Sori, and then also Javon Blar, we're going to be able to space out the floor enough to where it's not going to be a problem. It's not going to get too clustered down there in the paint. So I, that's my squad that I'm rocking with. I'm impressed, Stoddard. I really am. When I posed this question, I wanted to see – I honestly thought I was going to come away with the God squad. I thought you were going to let me have Malachi or Carson Beck or at least one of the two, and you didn't. So good on you. That's why I gave you the first pick, and I let you go through the names first because I wanted I needed, you to at least I have some the sort handicap. of advantage. You yeah, did, I and I gave it to you. So I'm impressed. You put together a really good squad for not really following basketball that much and not really ever like not having a basketball entailed mind. So I'm impressed. That went that went a lot. So I'll kudos to you, but. I think I still give the edge to my squad. I like mine a lot, but of course I am biased. But 
We'll, I know we'll that's different. Take it guys. to the people. We'll put Twitter and see what they say. We'll take to it to the people. Maybe I'll maybe I'll put up a nice little smooth graphic for everybody to see, and we can let the that's people decide. But I know, guys, it's a little different. We've never really done like a draft or anything for King of the Hill, but I thought this was going to be fun. I think it was a great conversation. Just you know, some good off season fun. That's what King of the Hill is supposed to be. You, I know a lot of you guys put in the comments that you want to see me and Starter going after each other. Trust me, I try and try and try to find topics that are going to get Starter and I button heads a little bit and disagreeing because we don't do it enough, but we probably should. It's probably healthy for our friendship if we disagree a little bit. So I'm going to do my best. We try. To find that's some good topics. That's the problem. We, we do try. try. To, we try to do it. We, we do, do try. try to do it. Our I best. Promise. Our best one ever. As far our, as far as actually arguing, our best one ever was the pineapple on pizza argument. Without that was a doubt. the best argument as far as where we actually went both ways. And before we change gears off of this topic real quick, a honorable mention that I almost pulled out because I actually found something uh, while I was looking around on, on the internet for my uh, kind of help and advice on everything. Um, Darnell Washington at one point last year was asked about his, his, five, his five guys. Now I couldn't, oh, mm-hmm. you know, go down his list because he had Jalen Carter himself um, and a couple other guys. I'm trying to remember who the other person was. It was one other person I think I couldn't use. Um, but one person that he did, two people that he mentioned on there that I could have potentially used that I almost put on there was Nylon Green was one of them. He said he was a hooper, um, so I almost pulled that one. And then Amaris Mims, that apparently he was pretty good as well. So those are my other options that I almost went with. Those are the honorable mentions of this. Based on what Darnell Washington himself said, so I'll I'll give you another one. Now, of course, he wouldn't have been available for this draft, but Trevon Walker went to Upson Lee and Jordan. I would if if we could have gone. Yeah, if we could have picked somebody like him, a hundred percent. During his time, during his time in high school, I think he lost maybe one game as a basketball player. His team lost one total game. I believe that's correct. They they had an insane record during his time while he was in high school. So they had a squad down there at Upson Lee. And that boy was balling out as well. I I remember seeing his time his highlights on my timeline. And boy, jumping again, jumping out of the gym, freaky athletic would have been an insane, it would have been an obvious again, number one overall pick as he was in the NFL. But guys, that's gonna do it for this week's episode. Again, we appreciate all the new listeners that have been tuning in to us and have been subscribing to us and showing us the love. We really do appreciate it. Absolutely. We've like doubled our subscriber count in a month, guys. It took us literally like a doubled. year a year to get to 100 subscribers and we've got we've gained 100 plus subscribers in the month of january and now we're almost at at 300 already just like that we're almost at 300 now so seriously we can't thank you guys enough and thank everybody enough that continues to support us and show up in the live chat every single week on wednesday nights at 8 p.m we sincerely appreciate it we love all of you guys we really do we appreciate everything that you do we love the people that drop comments whether it's constructive criticism or if it's things that you liked about the show, we appreciate every single one of them. We read every single comment and we take, take your guys tips and we love seeing hearing back from you guys after the show is done, but that is going to do it. We appreciate you guys for showing out and make sure before you head out, you like, and subscribe, like that video, subscribe if you haven't already. And our boy Stoddard is going to close us out. As always guys, keep it classy in the classic city and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Classic City Sports. 
take a second to subscribe, rate, review, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to reach out to the Classic City Sports Crew on Twitter with any topics you'd like discussed. You can reach out to Jeremiah at the Stodfather, to Jonathan at Dr. Underscore J. Will, and make sure to follow at Classic City Pod for show updates. Check back next week for a brand new episode. In the meantime... 